Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Do you feel like your church's facility could be preventing growth? Or are you frustrated or maybe even overwhelmed at the thought of a complicated or costly building project? Are the limitations of your church building becoming obstacles to the path of expanding your ministry? Have you ever felt that your church could reach more people if only the facility was better suited to meet the needs of your community. Well, our friends over at Rise Point have been there. They are former ministry staff and church leaders, and they understand how to prioritize and help lead your church to a place where the building really is a ministry multiplier rather than a ministry limiter. Licensed all over North America, their team of architects, interior designers, and project managers have the professional experience to help you and your church move the mission forward. Listen, I trust RisePoint. You can trust them with your project too. Check them out over at risepoint.com forward slash unseminary. That's risepoint with an E dot com forward slash unseminary. While you're there, pick up their free downloadable resource for your team. It's called 10 Things to Get Right Before You Build. Reach out to them today. The earlier into the project, the better. Again, that's risepoint.com forward slash Unseminary. That's risepoint with an e.com forward slash unseminary today. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I think this will be one of those ones that'll be challenging. Uh, I know it's a hard place for so many of us who have served in the church for a long time, but uh, I'm really looking forward to leaning in. I'm going to ask you to lean in on today's conversation. We're privileged to have Nathan Nelson with us. He is the pastor of Mission and Outreach with a fantastic church in Washington called Bethany Christian Church. They've got six campuses, if I can count correctly, from uh, the Seattle region. I love talking to church leaders in parts of the country like Seattle, where like, frankly, people, lots of people don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, I should go to church today. Uh, and we've got a lot we can learn from you today, Nathan. So glad that you're here. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a privilege. Uh, yeah, I'm honored that you would take some time to be with us. Why don't we start with you kind of telling us a little bit about the church, kind of fill in the picture there, help us understand about the church, and then tell us about your role there at Bethany. Yeah, Bethany Community Church is a six-location church at the present moment here in Seattle, Washington. We have a history of over 100 years in the city. Uh, Bethany began as a mission, if you will, to the indigenous people of Seattle way, way back when in a slightly different neighborhood than the one we find ourselves in now. Um, Hmm. We'll be talking about mission today, so we can assume that some of what was done and some of uh, what wasn't was not necessarily the best back in those days. Uh, sure. We've been reconciling our roots a bit. Um, but fast forward to the present day, um, under the leadership of our former senior pastor, Richard Dahlstrom, the church grew mm. rapidly. Um, and mm. so going from about 200, 300 people to over a couple thousand in just a mm. few years. 
And so in mm. that time, we had a space issue uh, and that mm. presented a missional opportunity where we said, rather than having satellite campuses that would stream uh, one person, one personality, we uh, planted local contextual relational ministry sites, we call them, from the various places mm. that people were commuting in from. So in our six different neighborhoods where we now have locations ranging in size from 50 to 1,500 um, we really seek to be a, the presence of Christ in the neighborhood. And mm -hmm. that presents uh, real opportunities for us missionally at a local level. But then over mm -hmm. the course of time, um, we've developed a pretty robust global mission program. And so that's where mm -hmm. I am privileged to serve. I oversee all that we do missionally in the church, both globally and locally, and have an mm -hmm. army of lay people and other staff that help make the magic happen as well. But um, yeah, we have three global partnerships in different parts mm -hmm. of the world um, that range from about eight to 15 years that we've been serving mm. together wow, in these great. different places. And um, I'll talk more about that, but a value of ours mm -hmm. is this long-term partnership. So I mm -hmm. started as a lay person who was in the pews, inspired by the teaching of the church. I went mm -hmm. on to become an intern and for my predecessor. And after a season away serving in another capacity, I came back and I've been on staff now as the pastor of mission and outreach for about seven years. Mm, very cool. Well, we're going to talk primarily. There's a lot we could unpack there, and there's you know there's a lot even, and maybe we'll have you on in the future to talk about local mission uh, at some point. But today we want to kind of focus the conversation particularly on global, although there's there's lots of principles we can apply locally as well. Why don't you talk to us about uh, those partnerships? What do they what do they look like? Kind of how does the what is the framework of those? How does those how does the relationship work with those organizations? Talk us through what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So like many churches, Bethany has a, a history, I would say about 20 years ago, we did an, a self-evaluation and my predecessor mm -hmm. did a lot of the hard work here, uh, who mm -hmm. now serves at Faith to Action, an organization mm -hmm. that we'll be talking more about today. Um, mm -hmm. But Ellie Oswald is her name and she uh, took an evaluation of the church and said, where is all this money? Where is all this funding going? And we discovered mm -hmm. there was everything from fifty dollars to $5,000 um, going to different people, organizations, missionaries, serving in all different places around the world. If you wrote a letter to the church and asked for money, you probably got it at some point. Um, but there was no sort of ongoing relationship of any kind. Oh, and so there was a huge sort of cleaning house process where we had to say, mm. okay, God, what is it that you would uniquely do through Bethany in a strategic sense for the really deep, lasting change of communities around the world. And so mm -hmm. uh, our partnerships began um, with an initiative that in Uganda that was amazing um, through Living Water. That partnership has come and gone. And now we have these three, um, one with mm -hmm. Agros International in Nicaragua, another mm -hmm. one with Roble Alto Child Care Association in Costa Rica, and then a third one, World Relief in Rwanda. And these partnerships are rooted in this principle of long-term relationship that mm -hmm. we lean into the partner organization to be the expert on the ground. It's of the mm -hmm. utmost importance that that organization is led by indigenous people to that region. Mm -hmm. um, it's also super important to us that the shared value above all is mutual transformation. So mm. we're looking for a long-term relationship with lasting change in the community that has an impact not only for the community that the organization serves in that we support, but also for our community back home. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we send teams. We do short-term mission. Uh, 
like many churches around the world, but it's our uh, highest value that those trips are simply a means by which we can continue to grow this mutually transformative relationship internationally. So the way that we do our trips is probably very different than many mm -hmm. others around the uh, country. And mm -hmm. that's in part because we really seek to take this approach of standing in the back. Uh, mm. We want to go and see what God is doing. We want to participate and use our gifts as well in, mm. in what Christ is doing in that place. Um, but we really seek to take a posture as learners and enable the local people uh, to show us what God has been up to and will continue so to be up to in that place. Um, yeah. So we call all of our, our, our goers and returners um, ambassadors. Mm -hmm. They're ambassadors of Bethany Community Church when they go visit our partners internationally. And then they're ambassadors of that partnership when they return. And so they spend six months in preparation and six months um, following up intentionally as a group um, before and after their trip, um, integrating those themes into their life and communicating them to the rest of the church about what God is doing in that place. I, I love this. Well, there's a lot there to unpack, which is good. This is why you'll see, friends, why we've, we're honored to have Nathan with us on uh, today's podcast. You know, one of the things you said, you talked about deep lasting change and that ultimately that is what you're attempting, you know, these partners that you're you're working with, that's what you're driving for. But, uh, you know, my experience has been, and let me be, the devil's advocate's probably the wrong word to say on this podcast, but the, you know, person may be providing a bit of pushback my experience is sometimes this idea of short-term teams can really push against deep lasting change. It's almost like the framework, the the method pushes against what we're trying to do. Am I wrong on that? Pull that apart for me. Help me understand, uh, you know, why is that? Why? What's, what's some of the problems that we might have uh, traditionally with this kind of short-term missions approach? Well, you named it a short-term hmm. trip with long-term lasting change. That's a bit yeah. of an oxymoron in and of itself, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. yes. Absolutely it is. You know, I think one of the things about short-term missions that we have to recognize mm -hmm. is that it's short. It's for a specific term of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we put this word missions on it. That's mm. a huge word. To yeah, me, mission, term, right? Yeah. Yes. Mission mm. in the church means participating with what Christ is doing to redeem mm. all of the world. Mm -hmm. So we have a short-term trip with that notion in mind. And generally speaking, as churches, we kind of entrust the youth pastor or maybe even a mm. lay person who spends some time abroad with the task of leading a group of volunteers to go and do this thing in another place. And I know mm. this is the Unseminary podcast. Uh, I've served in <laughs> my time at Bethany at a short-term mission organization for years. Mm. Came to mm. Bethany. I've been doing short-term mission trips since I was 16 years old. And mm. uh, I can tell you not one class I took in seminary talked about the logistics <laughs> behind how yeah. to do a mission trip effectively. Sure, not only sure. that, uh, you know, we, we want to believe that these trips matter. But if we look at the trip alone, I hate to say this, I don't want to burst people's, you know, mm -hmm. bubble here, but they don't matter. Mm -hmm. A trip in well, and of wow. itself, yep. if only done for the sake of a mission trip, will do mm -hmm. far more harm than good. 
Mm. This is why at Bethany, it's so important that any short-term mission trip that we do is done in the context of long-term relationship with an with a partner. Right. The partner Absolutely. is the one who's doing the work on the ground. Mm-hmm. A trip has an opportunity to come in and do something unique, do something special mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. leverages, contributes to the work of that partner ongoing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's not the work in and of itself. It mm-hmm. is not the That's work good. in and of itself. So we really have to, um, if, if, if rooted in a long-term partner, all of a sudden mm-hmm. now I'm willing to talk about short-term mission, um, mm-hmm. um, being mm-hmm. about the mission of God. Right. I really I really think that that can happen, but it has to be in the context of a long term partnership and it has Mm -hmm. to be done in such a way that we are envisioning the limits of what a short term Mm -hmm. trip can do, Mm -hmm. um, being honest about that and that Mm -hmm. our training and our activities for the time that we're in the ground and our debrief is all built around um, helping the people that participate in the trip have lasting change that impacts their lives ongoing. So what we've seen is that people actually are better as a result of their time going on one of these trips. Um, Mm -hmm. But it doesn't happen by accident. Mm -hmm. Let's, we're going to, we're going to get there. I really do want to unpack, okay, what you're doing that's different, but let's just take a pause a bit longer there. Uh, You know, I think sometimes one of the criticisms of experiences like this is it can feel like subsidized adventure travel. It's like we go to people and we say, hey, can you give us money? Because I'd like to go somewhere that normally you don't go. This isn't Orlando. This is not New York City. It's some exotic location. And then we kind of baptize it in this kind of Christian-y thing. And and I think, you know, and there's, uh, it's obviously, I, I'm using loaded language there. Obviously, I think that's bad. But you put an even more finer point on it. You said, man, that could actually do more harm than good. Give me some examples of what that looks like. Because, man, I don't think anybody that even if even if they just see it at that level of like, hey, I want to have this kind of fun experience. They're they're probably not processing it at the level of man. I might actually be doing damage in the community I'm, I'm going to talk me through what some of that harm can can look like if not done well. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give two quick examples. And then, uh, but I want to preface it by saying, as a church, one of the things that we've been mindful of, especially in our global work, is that anything that you're doing internationally as a church often Mm -hmm. is in the space of what the industry calls orphans and vulnerable children. You are working with kids who are very, very vulnerable in their lives um, and often are put in situations where if a team comes for a short period of time, we can unintentionally perpetuate the vulnerability of these children. And so I'll give you two examples. One, um, back when I worked in a short-term mission organization, uh, I spent uh, several weeks receiving mission teams at the border of the United States and Mexico. There was an mm-hmm. orphanage there, which uh, we would call a residential care facility. And mm-hmm. uh, so kids were living on site here. There was a mm-hmm. small school on site. Uh, most of their life took place on the grounds of this orphanage. I can tell you that the buildings were decrepit. There were tarantulas crawling all over us at night as we're sleeping in this mm-hmm. place. Um, it's out in the desert. It's remote. It's disconnected from the rest of society. And there was a group of young men um, who'd grown up there. And mm-hmm. in the time that I was there, this was maybe a month receiving three or four different teams. Mm -hmm. Um, all well-intentioned, all supporting this orphanage for many, many years. Um, Some Mm -hmm. of the people from these churches had gone and they were working as teachers in the school and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. over the years. 
These churches are telling their congregations that this is what God called them to do and that Mm -hmm. God is doing a great work here for decades. Mm -hmm. I know it. I'm sure of it. And it's and I don't mean to shame them. No, the reality on the ground is this. There were three separate attempts in just the month that I was there of kids trying Mm -hmm. to escape the orphanage. Wow. Wow. Kids come back. Their tail tucked between their legs. I had no, I didn't have anywhere else to go. I didn't know Mm -hmm. how to exist outside of here. I don't know how to survive for myself. Uh, Kids were not prepared for the real world. And what they were a part of wasn't working. Okay. They didn't want to be there. Right. They wanted to escape this place. They felt trapped, but they did, they couldn't exist outside of it. Heartbreaking situation. Heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. I witnessed that at a young age. I was maybe 19 at the time. I said, there's got to be a better way. There has to be a better way. (laughs) So I want to contrast that with another, uh, story. I, mm-hmm. uh, one of the organizations we partner with as a church is Roble Alto in mm-hmm. uh, child care association in Costa Rica. They're based in San mm-hmm. Jose, the capital city. And Roble mm-hmm. Alto has been around for over 80 years and they do what I would consider some of the best work in the care for orphans and vulnerable children. Mm. They have a residential care facility, um, mm-hmm. very, very different than the one that I just described, right. um, but it is, it is only used in the most extreme cases where it is no longer safe for a child to be present in their home and they have to be removed, but they will only admit children in those contexts if the families are willing to commit to the work mm. that it's going to take to get them back on track. And then they seek to reconcile the family that, mm. that they call that the Bible home. Um, the Bible home for Roble Alto boasts over a 95% reintegration rate wow. of children with that's their amazing. biological families. There is no other organization in the world that's even close. Right. It's really, wow. really amazing. The work that they do. And, the, the, and, and at the end of the day, it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. It is a sold out commitment to the reality mm-hmm. that kids grow up better in the context of a family. Mm-hmm. And they believe best people for these children are actually their biological family members. It's an Mm -hmm. absolutely crazy statistic, but 80% of children who are in residential care facilities have a biological parent who's still living. It's a matter of of a belief that that person can be restored, Mm -hmm. that that person or people can indeed take up their God-given calling to care for the child that is their own. And so the rest of Rodley Alto is so convicted about this that they have a series of what they call child care centers. And the child care mm-hmm. centers, um, one of which we've supported from the beginning for about a decade now, um, are designed as before and after school programs uh, mm-hmm. that have an interdisciplinary team of child psychologists, social workers, and the like wow. who work with the child and with the family who are at the point of kind of breaking where the typical family would say, you know what, I'm going to just drop my kid off at an orphanage because they're probably better there. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, Roberto intervenes and they say, mom, dad, you can go to work. We'll take care of them before and after school. In Costa Rica, like many other countries around the world, there's not the capacity to have kids in school all day. So kids go to school Mm -hmm. 
half the day and then they're left in the streets to wander and get into all kinds of trouble the rest of the day if mom or dad goes to work or mom or dad doesn't go to work because they don't know how to care for their kid otherwise. Right. And so they're breaking cycles of economic poverty, of relational Mm -hmm. poverty, all with this model of, of taking care of kids and, and intentionally investing in families to help them get on track, to help them get jobs and the things they need to do. And these families are proven to stay together. Um, so we can talk in a moment about what it looks like for us as a church who supports to send a team, a short-term team. But I introduced that model to say, while it's this, the churches back home that are playing videos on Sunday to highlight the work Mm -hmm. that's happening. If you're just sort of a commoner and you're watching this thing, there's a way you can tell the first story I told and the second story and people will go job well done. We're doing it. Right. Right. We cannot do that. We have to tell the truth about what's happening. Yes. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, again, so much there. Uh, You know, there's an unseemly part of particularly the short-term experience that, you know, when it comes to orphans, vulnerable children, um, you know, it can, it can feel like, particularly like in an Instagram world, it can feel like a very strange, like, why are you really here? Like, are you here just to take pictures with kids that don't look like you, Uh, you know, as opposed to try to make a difference? So. How does a church, so, you know, listen, you've done a very good job clarifying for us, okay, there's some real issues here. How do we as church leaders really even think about long-term partnership? How do we, how do we investigate or do, you know, you know, there's a lot here. How do we unpack this? What would be some of the initial steps that we would try to figure out best practices? Maybe, well, let's stay in the kind of orphaned, vulnerable children sector. Let's kind of talk about that. There's obviously lots of different types of organizations internationally, but let's kind of keep there. How would we think about that? What does that look like? Yeah, wonderful question. So Faith to Action, whom I mentioned earlier, has really great resources to help you identify organizations that are embodying these best practices. They have a whole list of organizations that they would recommend to you. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, In addition to that, uh, they have toolkits for how to uh, shape a trip, a short-term mission trip that Mm -hmm. is doing more good and mitigating a lot of the harm that I've sort of uh, alluded to that can happen through trips like this to contexts where there are orphans and Mm -hmm. vulnerable children being being Mm -hmm. taken care of. So Mm -hmm. um, that I commend to you all as resources, but I'll say from my personal experience, um, the reality is there's about 20% of churches uh, Mm -hmm. around the United States support some amount of work happening in a residential care facility. And residential Mm -hmm. care facility, i.e. orphanage, orphanage, uh, is uh, what I would like to um, just kind of say hard stop, not the ideal. It's not Mm -hmm. God's design. God's design Mm -hmm. was for kids to grow up in the context of a family. And so the work that we desire to move ever more towards is to shift that 20% of support towards family-based care solutions that are really seeking to empower the family to be all that it can be for God's given call uh, to raise and nourish a child, to become all that God created that child to become. And so with that in mind, uh, for us, World Relief in Rwanda 
Roble Alto in Costa Rica are two organizations that work directly with orphans and vulnerable children. However, their approach mm -hmm. is very different. I've talked about Roble Alto. Uh, one of the things that World Relief has done, and we've done this in partnership together, actually, is we identified some of the work that was happening on the ground at the time we started was more in support of residential care facilities. And so mm -hmm. um, they adapted a curriculum from World Vision uh, mm -hmm. called uh, Channels of Hope Child Protection. And mm -hmm. that curriculum has become integrated as the standard for what they do across all of their work internationally now. And that is all about uh, empowering family-based care. And so mm -hmm. I can tell you uh, a quick anecdote from our time in Rwanda, mm -hmm. the way that this looks. Uh, it's very different than in Costa Rica, um, but equally as is, is impactful. There's a, mm -hmm. a young girl that we met who was uh, a child growing up with AIDS and had been ostracized by the community. And so the Channels of Hope uh, child protection curriculum um, that was mm -hmm. implemented seeks to empower local church members uh, in their community to imagine who are the who are those ostracized children. And it's your responsibility to take them in. And so that shift alone in a cultural context in which AIDS would put someone like a leper on the outside mm actually go no we're called to go and seek that person out and to bring them in so we met this girl in a home she had a, a relative i believe it was her aunt um who's who knew of her and she said okay i can be that biological fam caregiver mm -hmm. for this child mm -hmm. and so she took her in she gave her responsibility uh she was raised the girl was raising chickens at the time and she said i contribute to my family because i have my chickens and they lay eggs and my family sells the eggs and they're better because mm -hmm. of it and so this child went from literally not attending school was wow. uh, found in the ditch um to now a child who has a role in a family that loves her and uh she's going to school and, you know, has the support that she needs to overcome these insurmountable hurdles in her life. So mm -hmm. I share that with Incredible. you to say that's just another example of this mindset shift that we need as churches internationally to shift our mm -hmm. mindset from, okay, I can get my head around an orphanage, right? We give yeah. money, people, hundreds of kids come, they're being fed, they're being taken care of. And those are the statistics we report back home to shift that mindset and go, okay, it's way messier way more mm -hmm. complicated. I'm not exactly sure how to tell the story uh, here, but that's equipping and empowering families to go and reclaim their God-given role to care for the children in their lives. And, and you can share stories like the one that I just shared with you in Rwanda. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. story, uh, but we have to have that mindset shift. It's also true that in communities around the world, even at home, believe me, mm -hmm. at home, here in Seattle, we have a homelessness crisis that's just mm -hmm. exploding. And you mm -hmm. have so many kids who are orphaned, who are vulnerable, mm -hmm. and so many parents who are sitting around who would not want nothing more than to be mm -hmm. able to care for their child. But they've mm -hmm. been disenfranchised and they don't have people believing in them that they can do it. And so we need to, as churches, be a part of what I believe is God's work in the world, whether it's in Rwanda, in Seattle, or whatever you call mm -hmm. home, to mm -hmm. shift the mindset both on our own behalf and on behalf of the disenfranchised parents that we're talking mm -hmm. about, that they can care for their kids. Love it. And yeah, so good. Yeah, that's so good. I, I love the the focused on family-based care, I think is is critical. I think that's, you know, you've helped us understand that. 
let's loop back to when you talk about then how does so um this is probably the prop or one of the problems with orphanage based or residential based care is it's like easy to get your head around how do we or it's easier to get your head around how do how could a short-term experience fit into that you know how can we we can feed kids we can do things we can fix walls that are broken we can paint buildings all that kind of stuff um so what does a kind of short-term experience look you know what does i liked your language around standing in the back trying to find mutual transformational experiences pull that apart help us understand what does that look like for you at bethany yeah would love to it's been a journey, my friends, let me tell you, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm <laughs> super, it. super proud of the work that we've been able to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say everything I'm about to say is not uh, something I personally claim. It's not something that I think our church can claim. It has been a collaborative effort between other churches like us who've been asking the mm-hmm. questions we're asking today. It's been right. a collaborative work with uh, our partner organizations for sure. Um, but we've landed on uh, what we call strategic visits to our global partners. We've intentionally rebranded short-term missions for this purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. In part, we want to be honest and clear about mm-hmm. what it is. Short-term mission, a mission trip is loaded language. People come mm-hmm. with so much baggage around and expectations, honestly, about mm-hmm. what that should or shouldn't mm-hmm. be. So we say our trips are strategic. We go for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's a visit. Mm-hmm. We are going to be there for a little bit and then we're going to mm-hmm. leave. It right. is a visit. <laughs> yes, love it. <laughs> and then love to it. our global partners. So we center our partnership in the name that we use. Mm-hmm. Right? So strategic so visits to our global partner. Mm-hmm. All of our trips, like most short-term mission trips, range from about a week to 10, 12 days. Um, All of our teams are much smaller. We're not sending 50 people to the border to, you know, paint Mm -hmm. a house or build something in four days or whatever. Uh, Mm -hmm. We send teams of five to 12 people um, Mm -hmm. annually to our global partners. Uh, Mm -hmm. We found that less is more. Um, This is the right number of people to accomplish the goals that we have. Um, Otherwise, Mm -hmm. it's very easy, especially as foreigners, to be an elephant Mm -hmm. in a china shop. Um, and it's hard to be learners, uh, to be present in a community, to really um, see what God is doing if you're walking around like an elephant in a china shop. Mm-hmm. Um, so five to 12 people has been good. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the time that we, well, I should preface by saying we spend about um, three to six months uh, on the front end training mm-hmm. our teams, preparing them. We use books like When Helping Hurts. I've also contributed mm-hmm. to a book called Reimagining Short-Term Missions. We use Mm -hmm. that um, in our time together. Uh, And really what this is about is setting our our hearts and our minds around our core objectives for the trip. And our core Mm -hmm. objectives, chief among them, is to support and encourage the staff of the organization in the ongoing work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, One of our objectives as well is to leverage the unique gifts and assets of our teams. Mm -hmm. And this is important. In alignment with the ongoing work of the organization. Mm, so I can give mm-hmm. some illustrations of how this, yeah, this, yeah. but, um, and then, and then we spend our time in country and then we spend six months meeting once a month after our return. There's a couple wow. key events that we do as a church um, that mm-hmm. the teams are integral in communicating. I, I mentioned this notion of ambassadors about communicating mm-hmm. the work that God is doing in Rwanda or in Costa Rica um, to mm-hmm. the rest of the church. And we ask them to boil that down and say, why does this matter to 
everyone in the body mm. at Bethany who will never go to this place. Why does it matter? And so they, they, they distill their experience into a kind of a core discipleship theme. And we allow the global church, Rwanda, the church in Costa Rica, to, to be our teacher as a whole church and receive this core message, this core theme, and, and we mm-hmm. frame a church service around it. So hmm, that's, that's cool. some of what they do when they return. Um, but our time in country. So, you know, uh, let me use Rwanda as an example. Okay. When we when we go on our strategic visit to World Relief in Rwanda, um, we are going to do a lot of time spent in the field. We call it so. What we support are church empowerment zones. Uh, mm-hmm. A church empowerment zone essentially is a geographic region in which local churches have been identified and are committed to um, learning from World Relief for how they can impact their local community. So for World Relief, the local church is literally the means by which community development happens. They are mm-hmm. not, uh, they're a very small staffed organization. They have just mm-hmm. enough people on the ground to train pastors and their laity to be the ones who do the work. So they have a holistic approach to development that includes everything from agriculture to orphans and vulnerable children, uh, you know, and the whole swath, sanitation, all of those things. But it's mm-hmm. the laity and pastors who are trained to do the work themselves. So lit, so mm. churches get united around this purpose. Churches who, uh, if you know the story of Rwanda, were literally killing each other in 1994 in the genocide, and now they're rebuilding their communities together. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we go, we get to bear witness to that. Mm. Um, in the United States, I don't know about you, but um, we have something to learn maybe about unity. Uh, right. The idea <laughs> of churches actually working together is pretty radical. And yep. so um, one of the things that we do is is we sort of imagine our teams when they go into the field, um, the region that we partner in is called Musanze, is we get to go and witness all the different programs that World Relief is doing through these local churches. So they have savings groups. We'll go and we'll sit and we'll watch, we'll participate. Mm-hmm. And we come as Bethany Community Church, a church that supports World Relief, that's supporting you in the work that you're doing. And we tell that to mm-hmm. everybody that we meet. And as soon as we build those bridges, they go, okay, you're from a church too. You're supporting this work here. We actually know about you because World Relief is very honoring to the people who, who, who donate and, and are supporting their work. Mm-hmm. And we get to hear stories. How has this work impacted you? What was the challenges? What's the success stories of what's happening now? We pray together. We celebrate what God is doing. And our teams are sort of taking notes. They're taking photos. Mm-hmm. They're doing video, these different things to sort of capture the stories as they go. Mm, love um, it. So we do a lot of that with the different programs, with the orphans and vulnerable children programming they have on the ground. Um, there's mm-hmm. some like after school um, groups of children that meet together. They learn songs that are about sanitation or, you know, how to prevent malaria and that Jesus loves you. And they're all sort of mixed and integrated together. And they learn these songs and they're practical and they're theological and they're good. And, you know, so when we go into a, in a context like that, our goal is not to go and, you know, say, OK, hey, we brought a VBS. We're going to put right. it on. It's going to be awesome. We right. go and we say, we stand in the back and we say, you know, hey, we, we support this work. We're so happy to be here. Thank you for welcoming us. We just would love to meet you and hear a little bit from you and just see kind of how you guys do this thing that you do. Mm-hmm. And so the kids, they get to tell stories, the staff, they get to be encouraged because this, because we're sitting there saying, man, amazing. 
you guys do this mm-hmm. every day of the week? Are you kidding me? That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. So you know, so and we pray together. So it's that. And, and what we're not doing is picking up a kid and asking someone to take my photo with them. Right. Um, yeah. And, and one, so one uh, last little piece I'll mention about that is uh, sure. in, in terms of, of, of leveraging the unique gifts and assets of teams. One of the things with World Relief that we noticed is over about the course of, I would say, the first seven years that we were partnered mm-hmm. together um, doing trips like how I just described, uh, World Relief eventually said, and their staff in Rwanda is all Rwandese, they said, hey, the way that you guys do trips is so different. And we really appreciate it. Our staff's feedback is actually, they can't wait until Bethany comes. Conversely, there's a lot of churches that Mm -hmm. go on mission trips. And I hate to tell you, friends, the organization that you're going through, they're not looking forward to you being there. Yeah, they're wincing. (laughs) Oh, no. It's a ton of work. It's stressful. They have to mitigate some of the harm that's happened after you leave. So for Mm. World Relief to say so, it was super encouraging. And what they said Mm. is, hey, why don't you guys, your focus has been on our staff. We have a staff retreat every year. Would you want to come and participate? Mm, That has become a staple of what we do in our trips every year since. Mm, It's become so popular that other churches who are supporting them in other regions say, hey, we want to do that too. So I've been able to train and equip other churches like Bethany to go and get to be a part of this staff retreat experience. And in that time is where you really are building that mutually transformative relationship in a deeper way with the same people year in and year out who are exhausted and called and passionate about the work that they do. And man, those friendships and relationships, relationship is core, but you're not going to build that kind of relationship in in an hour or in a day with a vulnerable kid, right? That's not the point. And so that does matter, but it's right-sizing our expectations, putting it in the Mm -hmm. correct context, and that enables us then um, to have had these experiences, which they've changed my life. They've changed. I know it's been a huge impact. So anyway, I commend that to you all as just a little bit of uh, anecdote towards that idea of what it would look like to stand in the back, to support and encourage staff of the organization and the ongoing work they are doing on the ground in the context of a long-term partnership. So good. This has been great. Um, you, you've actually shared with us, which we're going to link to in our show notes, a, a resource from Faith to Action in, uh, Initiative called Short-Term Missions, Guidance to Support Orphans and Vulnerable Children. I know there are folks that are listening in that are like, gosh, we are, we're scratching the surface here. We're just, we're, this will let you kind of help you take the next step. Talk to us about this resource. What is it? Who would be good for? I feel like this is the kind of thing that could be, hey, this would be a good resource to kind of share with our leadership team. Hey, let's talk about this together. Let's think about what we're doing on this front. To me, one of the things that stood out today from today's conversation was this idea that 20% of U.S. churches support residential you know, kids care. That's 70,000 churches that are potentially funding something that's harmful for kids. And man, we want to think differently about that. And so help us understand this PDF. How can it help us? Give us a sense of that. Yeah, you know, this this PDF just seeks to consolidate what is a huge breadth of work around yep. um, 
both giving people resources on the front end and a toolkit who might say, man, we've been supporting a certain kind of care for a long time and we're interested in at least exploring what it would look like to transition um, to something more sustainable. And so with that, what I would love to do is commend to you, yes, this PDF and really the organization Faith to Action, they will consult with you as a Mm -hmm. church. They'll consult with you as an organization if you want to transition towards supporting family-based care. Um, Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, uh, I offer myself as a resource uh, Mm -hmm. in the short term mission world, you know, the work that we support at Bethany is both with orphans and vulnerable children and really a whole swath of other Christian uh, community development. Um, practices. And with that, Mm -hmm. I mentioned the book that I contributed to reimagining short-term missions. It's really Mm -hmm. in alignment with other books like Toxic Charity and When Helping Hurts. And what we're Mm -hmm. seeking to do is in the space of orphans and vulnerable children where the stakes are so high and so, so many Mm -hmm. others that we support in our international kind of mission work as as faith-based institutions is bring short-term mission, redeem the opportunity that Mm -hmm. it can in fact be hugely transformative hugely mm-hmm. transformative. Let's not throw mm-hmm. the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Right, right. But we need to do it totally differently. And so that's the point of the book, Reimagining Short-Term Missions. Can we reimagine this in such a way that it is nothing less than a tool uh, by the Lord uh, to further his kingdom work in the world? May it be so. Love it. Yeah, that's amazing. Great. I love the vision you've pitched for us today. You've really helped us think about this differently. I really, really appreciate that. We'll link to the book as well uh, in our show notes, friends. So you can just scroll down on your phone there and click on that and pick up 10 copies and read it with your team this uh, this fall. You know, I know lots of this is the time of year where we're thinking about, well, what's going on this winter with our trips and all that, or if we're going away in a few months, this would be a great resource for you as you're thinking differently, want to think differently about those experiences. Uh, well, Nathan, I really appreciate you being here. Be- appreciate you being on today's episode, taking time to be with us, opening our eyes a little bit. If people want to get in touch with you or track with the church, where do we want to send them online? Yeah, man, look me up. Uh, you can find us at churchbcc.org uh, and just drop me a note directly. Uh, my email, mm-hmm. uh, N at churchbcc.org. Uh, I would love to interface with anybody. Uh, I do kind of, it's, it's, it's not formal, but I do consulting with churches and mm-hmm. organizations mm-hmm. all the time on their short-term love mission it. practices. And I'd be more than willing to offer myself as a resource to you. Oh, so good. That's really generous of you. I really appreciate you uh, doing that, giving out your email address and offering to help. Thanks so much, Nathan. I really appreciate being on today's episode. Thanks for being here today. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.